0: All right, well, we'll get started. Uh, Good evening, everybody. Uh, For those who don't know, I see some a couple new faces in here. Uh, My name's uh, Josh, uh, Josh Cook, uh, also go by Cujo. Um, And we regularly host these every two weeks. Um, It gives us time to kind of jump in with you guys and uh, let you know what's going on. Uh, Obviously, lately with the happenings, uh, regulation, type stuff has been kind of slow going. Although I do have a couple of articles on some stuff that's going on with the FAA tonight. Um, but, uh, most of it is just, you know, stuff that's in process, obviously remote ID, we're expecting uh, stuff to come out of that this December. Um, for those who are kind of waiting with bated breath as we are on, uh, um, that information to come out of the FAA. Uh however, uh this evening I do have quite a few articles of what's going on uh uh with UAS in general, uh drones in general. Um and the biggest news story that kind of uh racked my my news feed search uh was uh, Amazon's drone program has been cleared by the FAA. Um, so they are they have gotten their waivers um, through the FAA to begin uh, drone delivery, um, which has been in process at Amazon through their Prime primary um, uh, service uh, started in 2013 um, and has done a couple of test deliveries. Uh, the cool thing about the article, which let me post, this is from Business Insider, uh, is it shows kind of the um progress at the different drones that amazon has uh kind of prototyped uh some of them being uh, almost like giant tiny whoops um which is obviously the one posted in the link there um to another one that almost looks like a racing drone that can carry up to five pounds so um yeah it's it's gonna be interesting how they're gonna make this work uh but um they are uh, they've been testing different types of drones in different countries to kind of gauge the difference of of the effectiveness of each model and and how that's going to work. Um, but they are saying that. Let me see if I can copy this, paste it here. This is going to be probably the closest. Uh, well, that didn't work. Let me uh, get a different one. <laughs>
1: Leaves Good a little photo. up to the
0: imagination there. Uh and
1: hey this Bruce, will be pr- welcome.
0: <laughs> probably be the closest one uh to final version. So this one they're saying uh can uh carry up to five pounds. Uh, so obviously the packages are gonna be smaller. Um but they do have some like fixed wing variants and, and whatnot and uh so and pretty interesting really on the weird. progression.
1: It must uh it- use that hexagonal shape thing sort of as a wing of sorts yeah so it, looks it looks like, like yeah. it
0: yeah it does look like it has an airfoil to it so uh pretty interesting and uh definitely a hexacopter so um digital on mode for free that's awesome so uh we've talked about how drone delivery could potentially work and and there's been studies on it that in you know populated areas like bigger cities and whatnot it's not quite as effective as as ground delivery but in uh rural areas uh where people are like spread further apart um it tends to make a little more sense however you still get the issue of of drones and and landing in your backyard your kids your dogs your cats running up to it and you know this one uh depending on how they plan on dropping packages uh, would be interesting as well. To yeah. See. I swear so, everybody
1: who works on that must live in a suburb with no trees or anything. Like, right. I just can't imagine tree covered
0: mountainous areas, how a drone delivery is going to work. But. So, but uh, pretty interesting. Um, can that design stack? They got a stack, maybe even share charging in a stack to be a final concept. Yeah. I'm not sure um, how they would, do that. It seems in my head, it seems more efficient to have a vehicle, a ground-based vehicle that can make deliveries both by ground and then have maybe a launching platform for these things. Um, But uh, again, I don't know. It'd be pretty interesting as well as battery life on these things trebuchet there you go just launch it with a trebuchet that would be hilarious i would pay money to see that (laughs) doesn't somebody
1: have like a grenade launcher version of a drone they can shoot in the air and then it takes off
0: yeah there's something like that there was and it's like you it's i don't know if it was what military branch but you could launch it out of a tube and then like it would deploy it's pretty interesting but uh yeah it seems I, I would agree with you, Washbucket. That that people would, I don't know. People would tend to potentially uh, take these things down for whatever. Yeah, I was reason. just
1: happened to be flying my kite really crazily in the sky, and this drone came by. <laughs> right, <laughs> it got tangled up in the wires.
0: Shocking, you know. <laughs> it's like bounties on Amazon drones. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. Uh, they did get their authorization to go ahead via the FAA. Um, and, uh, so, but they, Amazon has come out and said that, you know, they still need some work before this is going to be, you know, viable. So, but, you know, obviously they're going to begin testing, I would assume pretty quickly. Um, so this also out of the FAA, um, they are seeking, um, companies who are willing to put forth white papers uh on efforts to identify um basically to get companies who could detect uh uh Drones around airports, basically. Uh, so it says the Federal Aviation Administration has issued a call for white papers in an effort to identify companies that build, integrate, and market systems or technologies designed to design to detect unmanned aircraft systems and avoid potential aviation risks uh, from UAS operations. So they basically are just spamming spamming this out there and trying to get people to uh, companies who build basically counter UAS technologies to uh, submit white papers for their um, uh, perusal to identify companies to possibly test uh, counter UAS technologies for airports. So, um, which I have some more stuff on some counter UAV uh, later on uh, this evening, which would be pretty interesting. So, um, they are uh, looking to expand some of this. I think, it says yeah the new jersey's atlantic city um i think has one already and they're looking to expand to five more um this is the detection
2: and encounter UIS. i guess
0: yes yeah so and then also um the FAA is going to begin testing drone uh, a drone traffic management system in Rome, New York. Um, so was selected by the FAA to work on developing a drone traffic management system and will begin testing this month. Um, so it joins the second phase of FAA's Unmanned Aircraft Traffic Management Pilot Program. Um, so uh, obviously, uh, they're... People, let's see. We couldn't be happier that the has selected Oneida County's, County's New York UAS test site uh, to develop the next phase. Um, so this will be something that uh, will spool out. That RID will spool out of essentially. And I think uh, this
2: is one of this is there are seven uh, sites that um, were initially involved in that IP, in the IPP. So they'll probably be looking. for... Um, for vying for more contracts with the FAA. I think the mm-hmm. UTM is one of the areas of monetization uh, in the drone industry. Uh, everyone mm-hmm. who's, all of the companies involved in, uh, in UTM are, are large companies.
0: Yeah, and I swear you're, you're screen, screen capping my computer, Dave, because we're going <laughs> to drop this. So This comes from Forbes. Uh, Precision Hawk has now panted, patented unmanned air traffic, air traffic control. So, um, yeah, (laughs) the Ah, ah, side. So, uh, basically, they're saying that they are patenting this, uh, so that other companies who are seeking, who are already in progress and who are seeking unmanned traffic control solutions, uh, obviously will need to pay royalties to Precision Hawk. So, the article if you as you go through reading it it's also kind of a, a almost like a hit piece at the the patenting process because stuff like this has happened before so um the 63 patent 63
1: billion dollars in 20 in five years that's so
0: crazy. yeah i mean if you think about it though that you know companies are looking to spool off you know uh whether it's drone delivery or drone services in some fashion or another um they're gonna be paying to use the unmanned traffic air traffic control system and i mean it's a it can be a a definite cash grab so um there's a on it says in the article there's an ongoing debate in the uas industry about whether collision avoidance and traffic management is best handled by an overarching uh, intelligent centralized system, or on the ground, on the ground, or by sensors uh, on the on the UAS themselves. Uh, Precision Hawk system falls into the former cat camp. Uh, its first patent is for technology that allows drones to send real-time telemetry to servers uh, to avoid collisions while in the air, um, and it's constantly broadcasting its location uh, to ground servers via a radio frequency link um the second patent describes a means by which the drone operators transmit their flight plans to a traffic management server prior to a flight to see if there's a potential conflict um it says the patents are purposely short on detail declining to specify what types of onboard or ground system drones and servers will use merely calling them a computing device Um, details of the data transmitted its mode whether it's via cellular satellite or some future technology like photonic communication um uh all those details are omitted um so it didn't let's see um Precision Hawk is not the only firm in the drone industry with what could be described as a broad patent. Uh, Reno, Reno, Nevada-based drone delivery company Flirty issued a press release highlighting its patent for a parachute deployment system. And there are a lot of different companies who have, like there's Parazero, I think, is one of the bigger ones. But theoretically, um, they would have to pay Flirty to... uh, A royalty to develop their own parachute system through that patent so it's pretty interesting that that more and more of this is going down this road especially with the you know controversy that's constantly you know kind of rising and falling within the fpv community of patents and clones and and that kind of thing and and patents can be a very expensive process for for some so Uh, A lot of the startups and and small companies within the FPV community can really be kind of grounded by a a bigger company who decides to patent a particular, you know, piece of technology related to drones. So, um, yeah, pretty interesting piece and kind of jumps into that whole uh, money-making venture of UTMs, right? (laughs) It does
2: yeah and i and i, I do think that their the utm focus is commercial not uh not yes. recreational uh, yes and, and uh and amazon is not a, a huge supporter of uh, recreational whereas uh our google is uh, the other uh, one of the other utm uh, authors yep
0: so i mean it's it's definitely pretty interesting uh this is coming out of the fcc um and aviation today published this article um an fcc study supports using five gigahertz bands for drone operations uh so i would fully expect um that the five gigahertz spectrum is as more and more commercial enterprises kind of take to the skies that there's going to be a uh definite definite uh saturation of the um Five gigahertz uh, band.
2: Well, this, um, this is positive. This um, uh, I didn't see this. Um, yeah, I need, to, I need to read this article. This was what the uh, the tasking group that uh, we presented in February was about. The, uh, yep. the in the twenty eighteen reauthorization act, Congress mandated that the FAA, working with the FCC, working with the um, uh, the third body responsible for uh, managing frequencies by use used by the federal government get together and do just this work on or figure out how to put the utilize the, the existing existing uh, band bands and, uh, and get them uh, allocated uh, permanently for uas yep so this is this is a, this is an important one
0: so it says uh, the fcc report requested by congress in the faa reauthorization act uh studied this portion of the c band previously used for legacy microwave landing system precision radio guidance systems but we at the
1: low end of five gigahertz it looks like
0: yes it is Mm -hmm. it's down in the Mm -hmm. 5030 to 5091 um and then as well as the uh 960 to 1164 megahertz portion of the l band which i remember you talking about this extensively dave um so the commission concluded that the five gigahertz band allocated uh, for future ground-to-aircraft and satellite-to-aircraft communications um, is likely capable of supporting UAS operations. Um, FCC notes that drone users will probably, will probably be able to use these flexible use assignments faster than than they could make use of uh, the five gigahertz band, since there is already infrastructure and wireless standards in place for those assignments. Um, use of the L band, uh, which would be the 960 to 1164 megahertz bands, was not recommended. However, with commenters, including Boeing and Airbus, expressing concern to the FCC that current services reliant on the band could be disrupted. Um, so, uh, current, I think, existing use of the band uh, uses tactical separation services, so traffic alert and collision avoidance systems, um, ADSB air traffic control radar or beacon system. So uh, they opted to kind of push forward on the 5G band. So um, pretty interesting uh, article there. Let's see. This I thought was interesting. This comes from Jane's, uh, which is generally a, a military uh, publication. Let's see. Um, So this comes from Fordham Technologies. Uh, This is probably going to be more for military use, I would imagine. But as we know, military use often leads to civilian type uses. Um, But uh, this is a counter UAS system from Fordham Technologies. Um, So it uses uh, uh, Fordham's technology Sky Dome as an end-to-end system encompassing several elements that can be operated separately or as part of an integrated approach. It uses AI um, soft, base software uh, that includes a, a software package called ThreadAware, a capability that can analyze input from several sources and sensors, uh, as well as the company's TrueView radar, which can help detect dark UASs that do not emit radio frequency or any other signals. So this is pretty interesting. Um, and then it has a uh, it it co kind of co mingles with uh, a a drone, basically called a drone hunter that can intercept rogue UASs using a a net tether. So pretty interesting, kind of complex, um, but yeah. uh, you know it takes yeah. care of a- autonomous type drones that aren't being control that are programmed instead of controlled. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Definitely. Huh. So this will this will uh, this will get you going here, Dave. So, Trump's ban on Chinese drones is making fight is making fighting wildfires harder, says a leaked memo. So, generally, we don't tend to get too political here, but uh, we've been talking about the um, ban on Chinese drones. Yeah. Um, and the U.S. Interior Department of the Interior, uh, which maintains federal land. Uh, has grounded its fleet of more than 800 drones uh, over fears that they could be compromised by Chinese spies. Um, Now, uh, from an internal memo uh, says the decision is hampering the federal government's ability to fight wildfires. Uh, Without the drones, the department has been forced to use crude aircraft to start fires or not carry out. They use uh, the drones for controlled burns, essentially. So they drop these uh, little incendiary uh balls that they can use to start controlled burns um so uh yeah i'll get to that in a second alex um let's see it says an internal analysis of the department found that by the end of the year it will only have carried out 28 percent of the controlled burns that it planned to do with its fleet of new drones um The original decision to ground the interior department's fleet is part part of a wider effort by the Trump administration to restrict Chinese technology. The drone market in particular is dominated by Chinese manufacturer DJI. And when news of the grounding broke last year, the department said none of its drones used only American parts. Agency use of drones, not uses drones to not only control wildfires, but to survey land and dams and monitor endangered wildlife. Um, Bernhardt noted that the drones could still be dispatched in emergency situations, including fighting natural disasters, Uh, but this provision does not seem to have extended to the purchasing of new hardware. Um, So,
2: and to uh, respond to one of the questions we have here um, from Washbucket, uh, we had someone give a talk from Department of Interior where I volunteer, and they were using only U.S. made drones. This was about four years ago. Did something change? Uh, Yeah, the article that Josh was just talking about listed 800. Numbers I've seen are uh, 13 to 1500 drones owned by the Department of the Interior, uh, which were grounded this year. Uh, and this was even, and these were all DJI drones. This was after DJI rewrote the internal code, uh, and they uh, called specifically
0: it for the Department of the Interior.
2: Ex- exactly, so that it, uh, in for sure, would not talk to uh, any anyone anywhere, and that uh, that's still uh, they're up against the uh, the ban. Uh, that we're seeing uh, is also incorporated in the Department of Defense reauthorization yeah. section eight five four on the thirty four hundred page document
0: so yeah it's uh it's pretty interesting. Um, I had an article it was behind a paywall, but there are five there are now five approved um companies that the government can do business with for right. drones.
2: Yeah, I've got the list. Oh, do you? Yep. It's it no,
0: behind go. the paywall for me, so
2: give me a moment. I will find it.
0: Perfect. Um so let's see. Uh this is pretty interesting kind of on that same fire aspect. Um found it. Oh, go ahead.
2: Skydio Parrot Alta Vanion, Teal Drones, and Vantage Robotics, all approved by DoD. There you go. And y- yes, most of them have uh, Chinese, Chinese components. Manufacturer- manufactured components, which are uh, explicit, uh, explicitly called out in the DoD uh, Reauthorization Act.
0: Which is pretty interesting. Yep uh this one um so they're using uh this uh fixed wing drone uh in oh gosh the cinnabar fire I don't know where cinnabar is um didn't have time to check but um the uh rangers the the wildlife rangers uh are using it to track um uh, fires so they could see where the big plume was coming from from the video um and you can see they could tell kind of where they needed to go and kind of knew when the fire was going to die out when it ran out of fuel uh as far as unburned uh vegetation and whatnot so um the uh this particular one can fly at uh twelve thousand feet uh, for up to 12 hours at a time which is uh, pretty impressive it looks like it's gas powered um or some kind of fuel powered um but uh um pretty interesting, the different, uh, ways that UAS are being used, especially to fight fires, which brings me to a, I've got two companies that are based here in Arizona, where I'm from, uh, that, uh, are doing interesting things with drones and, an interesting type of drone. So, um, so this is axon, um, who originally. I think they uh got bought out but they are the create uh they uh tasers uh taser international uh is now owned by Axon. And uh yes, exactly. Uh control line drones. Um so Axon has partnered with a company called Photokite uh to who create tethered drones that can be launched from vehicles uh whether it's a uh police or fire vehicle they're built for first responders and Axon their products generally focus around first responders obviously with tasers and body cams and and that kind of thing so um originally or currently um Axon I do have their uh Axon Air here they're using the DJI Mavic 2 Enterprise edition uh for that and they are partnering it with um, specific software so uh it can it's called uh axon evidence so there's no sd card it basically live streams directly to the software um and does so securely um and they're using that same technology uh from the uh photokite um drone and I do have if you go to Photokite's website which I will post here they do have an example of it. So basically on the top of a fire vehicle um or a police vehicle there's a little compartment that the drone can be launched from and it's uh tethered so it can fly indefinitely. Um they're saying uh 24 hours plus um that they can keep it in the air um because it's being supplied its power right uh, from a uh from the vehicle itself as opposed to onboard batteries um so and then obviously it's limited in its uh altitude uh, I think they're putting it at 150 feet um which will allow first responders to assess the situation before moving in further or you know track a fire or anything like that um so Pretty interesting uh, innovations coming from there. And then uh, last but not least, um, this uh, is from Honeywell, and they have unveiled their next generation avionics lab for UAS, as well as for UAM, which is the first time I've heard that acronym, but it's Urban Air Mobility. So we've all seen kind of the uh, people posting on Facebook, uh, yep, flying cars. (laughs) Um, about the you know flying taxis and stuff like that well honeywell is specifically focusing on that um and they have built a new lab here in phoenix um that showcases this technology as well as a kind of like a flight simulator of sorts with actual controls and and whatnot uh so i'm wondering if i can give them a and see if i can check that out because it's not too far from me
2: yeah you can uh the first first place you can buy a uh a, a flying uh car is uh united arab emirates there is uh, oh they yeah are, they they are available a little pricey but uh you know <laughs> that's
0: funny so um pretty interesting uh stuff coming out of uh honeywell as well so a lot of people have been, uh, really, uh, active during this, uh, COVID break in developing new things and new technologies. So, uh, it's pretty interesting, the stuff that's coming out. So as far as news articles, that's about all I have. Uh, pretty interesting.
2: We'll just swing back to the, um, uh, we mentioned it in passing the, mm-hmm. um, department of defense. Uh, Reauthorization Act is um, stalled in the in the Senate, but it uh, it will pass because our military uh, will need to be funded. It's uh, stalled for um, uh, more political reasons than anything else. Uh, but uh, it was Section eight five four uh, is the almost verbatim the Senate twenty five o two, which is the uh, ban on federal agencies purchasing uh, drones that are uh, made in, I- in the identified countries. And China is, of course, the leader on that list. Uh, it is more than just uh, BNF. It's now, uh, as uh, Josh was pointing out several weeks ago, it's uh, gimbals and flight controllers and uh, cameras and uh, transmission, uh, data transmission devices so and tran- transceivers. So, uh, this well, Of course, the five companies that uh, DOD mentioned, as we were saying, uh, all have uh, Chinese components. So uh, we are headed to uh, a situation where the federal government, if you are an agency of the government, you will be unable to purchase a Chinese drone or component, or if you are taking uh, federal funding for a drone program like the, I think it's up to 118, 113 schools that the FAA has funded uh, with grants for uh, drone use. So if you, if you're one of those colleges or universities around the country and you're picking up that funding, uh, you, you will not be able to use that funding uh, to purchase uh, Chinese drones. So this to me is not a good, uh, a good direction. It is uh, country of origin legislation, which is uh, isolationist and doesn't do good things for our own uh, kids getting into STEM. uh, And it does not do good things for selling our own technology around the world. So this will be uh, uh, exactly. We'll have difficulty uh, sourcing hardware, and we'll have a hard time selling our our own hardware in UAS.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there are, I mean, obviously there are countries where, um, you know, tech development, IC chip development, which is a lot of the components that are on our, you know, flight controllers and, and transmitters and, and whatnot, you know, there are other countries that do create those, but obviously the, the leader and, and both, you know, production capability as well as price is China. And you know, while you know, current current issues aside, you know, that's one thing that they're, you know, they excel at and they have the capability to deliver on a on a broad scale. So, you know, the the hard part is is that most of the the commonly available parts for like STEM and STEM programs and, and whatnot, uh, you know, they're coming from the, the they have components that come from, from China. And um, you know, whether we're going to start building that stuff here in the U S or we're relying on our, our, uh, allies, uh, that we, we do trust to create those things. Uh, it's not going to be to the scale that we are used to, and it's going to make, uh, the job of, of creating a, a STEM project or, or, dev- uh, or maintaining one, uh, even more difficult. Um, if you have, if you take federal grants, essentially. So
2: there was another FAA announcement that uh, caught our attention. And that is that there was uh, a uh, available way beyond visual line of sight waiver for first responders um, so that if you're uh, responding to an emergency, obviously, this needs to all be done before the fact. Uh, you can uh, work with a uh, emergency response uh, personnel and fly a drone legally beyond visual line of sight. The re- The requirement that really caught my attention was that you have to have a um, Part 61 license. So a, um, a civil um, general aviation um, uh, license. And so that's a license to carry uh, uh, people. And so that's a that's not an easy license to get it's uh, expensive it's uh, time consuming to get it and it seems to us uh, a little uh, over the top from the perspective of uh, proportionate uh, regulation to uh, risk so but that's uh, that's what the FAA released this week and we're hoping that this is you know, linking um, um, general aviation licensing with UAS restrictions and regulations uh, we're hoping this is not a precedent, but we're worried that it might be uh, tactical BVLOS. Thank yeah, exactly the right title. Thank you, Alex. Um, and uh, we're hoping that this is not the precedent that we see uh, coming down the pike with uh, remote ID final rule.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ah, uh, yes.
0: Do you have any more to that that you want to add, Alex?
1: Uh, I'm going to see if I can find the PDF they showed us I okay. had a bunch of information on that. But other than that, not really.
0: Okay.
2: okay. Yeah. And if you uh, cannot find it, uh, immediately, if you can post it here, uh, we all would be interested.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I can't remember if they shared it with us or not. So I'm oh. seeing if they did.
2: <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Thank you.
0: All right. So, uh, Dave, anything else?
2: We're uh, wrapping up the uh, presentation for safety culture with the drone advisory committee. That's um, uh, let's say the next stack is uh, October 22. It will be virtual, so they will be live streaming it. So that's uh, that presentation will be uh, a comeback to the uh, drone advisory committee, and this will be pr- presented by a tasking group, a group of us, about 30. Uh, and we will present the results and make recommendations to uh, the DAC to provide to the FAA.
1: All right, I just added the uh,
0: the the tackle BV loss um, their waiver guide that they yep. shared with us. Excellent,
2: thank you, Alex. Perfect.
0: So that's pretty much what they gave us about that. Cool. All right. Uh, XJet, uh, did anybody watch New Zealand's Ministry of Transport outline its plans for drone regulations? No, but I heard something about it. You want to expand on it? Is my microphone working? Yes, yes it, it, is. it is.
3: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, they did a number of surveys over a couple of years trying to get the information that was necessary to support their case and their cases for compulsory registration, compulsory licensing, compulsory certification, and a remote ID system. Goodness me, we're going to be worse off than the USA because they, the, the an arm of the government is developing its own UTM that they want to push on all drone users, and this is the best way to do it: just make a law that requires it to be mandatory. It's oh, it's absolutely gobsmacking what they've done. Goodness. Well, any
0: any idea when that's supposed to be rolling out?
3: they're talking about formalizing their plans towards the end of this year so it's only a few months away and then of course it's they'll put it out for consultation and just as in america thousands of people will say no and then they'll just like in america probably ignore all those complaints they have to consult but they don't have to listen yeah Yeah, december is going to be a heck of a month for uh drone stuff worldwide yeah (laughs) for sure and we've got, well, we've got to do uh, something to we've got to do something to reduce the death toll it's getting re- outrageously out of hand i know right <laughs> so so bruce
2: other than your uh, reckless incursions with a, a tiny whoop uh,
3: what <laughs> uh, what motivated this the same as everywhere else it's it's money the government has a what they call a state-owned enterprise which is a company that it uses to earn money so it's a form of indirect taxation And this company wants to set itself up as a global UTM. It has plans to export their UTM system all around the world. Uh, But really, someone's been smoking something really bad, and they've got these delusions of grandeur. So they want to basically force New Zealanders to use this UTM so then they can go to the world and say, we've got thousands of people using our UTM, Mm -hmm. whereas elsewhere in the world, companies are sort of all vying to be the UTM, but no one's actually being the UTM yet. You know, you've got... um, in america everyone's trying to get a share of that pie but new zealand must be able to walk out and say well we've already got all these uses we're proven right
2: so what what's the name of the company in new zealand
3: airshare airshare share in fact it's been a bit it's been a bit clever because what they've done is
2: part of that google was google wing part of that
3: no now, what they did in New Zealand was they set up this this site for drone users. They called it a uh, you know an information site called it Airshare, and said we, we encourage drone users to go and log their flights on this site. Uh, it'll give you it'll keep a log of your flights, all that sort of stuff. Recreational users too. So. They want people to go along and use it. And now they're saying, we already have thousands of flights uh, <laughs> a year logged through our site, even though it's not a UTM, but they, they trick people into going there and logging their flights so they can claim that all these people are already using Airshare, even though it's just the website. It's not actually a UTM. It's, oh, it's terrible. Goodness me. <laughs>
0: between, between that and India's new rules and, and ours coming up, it'll be an interesting perspective. On the future of recreational. Yeah. Did anybody else see that, what was it, the
1: Department of Transportation is going to spend a billion dollars upgrading airports around the country? Yeah, I Uh, did. 1.5 billion. I uh, wonder how that may affect us, or are more airports going to get towers and more controlled airspace, or anything else like that? Well, I would
2: I downloaded the PDF and looked and looked at the uh, what the purpose of each of the spending was for, and it looked like a lot of um, you know, um, blocking and tackling, you know, and. <laughs> Uh, rail, you know, uh, runway, uh, you know, runway, you know, repair. They're not going to put repair. anti-drone
1: detection on every airport <laughs> around the country. That's not what the money's Maybe. for.
2: I was looking for something like that. I couldn't find anything that you know even gave me a, a hint of uh, you know like electronic infrastructure, any you know any pseudonym like that. Well, that's good. They're well, not at
1: least putting it in there and trying to hide
0: it, right? Well, I mean, after that shared report came out, where you know they basically warned people from tackling that project. Right. Uh, the, um and then they're asking inter- for
2: volunteers.
0: Yep. Yeah. So, pretty, pretty interesting how they're they're kind of flip flopping directions. So, um, you know, it's government. So, give them five minutes and they'll change their mind.
2: Yeah.
0: So, at any rate, uh, anybody else have anything to share? Yeah, okay. People. People.
1: We're now three-fourths of the way through 2020, so that's a positive. Yes. So I heard Shrimplitz was trying to talk, but I couldn't hear what they were saying.
0: Shrimplets, what were you saying, bud? You went, okay. we lost him. Might have been, might have a, might okay. have been
2: ambient, ambient noise.
0: Yeah, it could have been. All right, well... uh, Uh, On that note, uh, we're almost through 2020. Hopefully, next year is better. And uh, hopefully, December doesn't shoot us all in the foot. Um, (laughs) You flew your build this week. Dirty Rat flew his first build. What did you build?
2: Yes, excellent. Well done.
0: That's awesome.
2: And the duration of the flight was? Oh, look at this.
1: Yeah, I know Dirty Rat's been in our Discord quite a bit, getting help and talking about the build. Excellent.
2: Awesome. Excellent.
0: Well Brutal done. Brutal crash. That's oh,
2: awesome. Sorry about the crash.
0: Hey, we've all crashed. <laughs> yeah. I think Got the. Good, Excellent. Good. I had a buddy. It was uh, right when I was starting the hobby who decided to race another uh, guy in our group uh, through the park. And. My buddy had a knack at the time for uh, completely breaking his drone, so we teased him all the time that he was the ultimate uh, parts tester because he would definitely put it through its paces. So they were racing around trees through the uh, park, and uh, my buddy clipped uh, the edge of a branch. And uh, not that it's a good analogy, but to me it looked like... uh, the challenger so it hit the tree and it all stayed together and then about 30 feet later it all just kind of split apart and battery went one way gopro went another way arm went that way body went that way it was just a disaster of a crash and uh, that was the first time i learned what a crash could actually do to a drone
2: um, oh i um uh, yeah regarding crashing <clears throat> I haven't actually crashed that much, being in Wisconsin. It's mostly just trees, parks and things. Uh, Two weeks ago, I went to uh, Detroit to go uh, hit up the bandos with the Detroit quad crew. and I think I went with eight working, came home with eight broken. Oh, no! Uh, I I smashed three GoPros, all of which I had the uh the warranty on so oh uh, wow no the the bando environment is yeah ouch my is are the is I, awful. I mean I broke arms that were six mil thick and I've moved yeah. the frames now that are seven and eight thick
1: <laughs> yeah I swear my drone has like this magnetic force to pavement and concrete. I can be flying over grass all day and nothing. The second you go over like a sidewalk, it just drops out of the sky and hits the sidewalk. You know,
0: so yeah. So we don't, here in Phoenix, we don't have a lot of bandos, but a lot of construction sites. So we used to go into construction sites and, you know, it's pure steel and concrete out here. So steel, you know, steel, uh, sub, substructure and then concrete and, uh, Yeah, and a lot of rebar, and uh, we would go in there. And not only is your signal just crap because of all the metal, but you crash one time and it you you're done for the day. It's crazy. So yeah, there was definitely feel
2: that there was a a guy uh, practicing. He'd been at it for two (laughs) weeks, and he was uh, flying in a football field. It looked like, and I thought, oh, and it was no one there, and he's using the uh, goalposts as a uh, practice to uh, power loop, and it was yeah. perfect. He was flying over grass the entire time. <laughs> yes, I'm. I'm sure he had a spotter. <laughs> we, we all, we all have spotters.
0: We all have spotters. All right. Well, I guess on that note, I'll give you back ten minutes, and uh, y'all have a great week. A uh, good rest of your week, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. And thank yeah. you for coming, guys. Hopefully we really appreciate see you in two it. Two weeks.
2: Absolutely. And take care and be safe, everyone.
1: All right. Take care. For sure.